Welcome to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Root. This is a podcast about... Well, hold up. I want to be part of the intro, too. Okay, go ahead. Uh, oh, n- never mind. You can you can do it. Okay. Uh, like I was saying, I'm Meredith Root, former engineer, CrossFit Games athlete, and owner of Tactic Nutrition. That was the one and only Alex Parker, former lawyer, also a CrossFit Games athlete, and co-owner of Tactic Nutrition. This podcast is about fitness, health, nutrition, CrossFit, business, mindset, and things that grind our gears. Wait, hang on. Ivy wants to say something. Go ahead, Ivy. Ah, she's, she's shy. No surprise there. Our goal is to give you something to think, talk about, hopefully make you laugh a little along the way. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me on. You're you're my favorite guest. You're actually, um, you've been on here more frequently than any other guest that I've ever had. So, how wow. does that make you feel? That, that is an honor. Yeah. I mean, kind of a big deal. You're kind of my only guest, but... People don't need to. But then I sometimes bring on a sub guest. Yes, sub guest Brenda. (laughs) Yeah. We need to diversify our sub guests. We do. I'll look into it. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, Today's Monday. The October 18th. October 18th. And we just got back from Jasper. Well, I guess last night we got back from Jasper. I don't know about you, but the drive back felt. Felt like it was about 45 hours long. Well, at least you got to nap. I I, I was resting my was, eyes. Yeah. You you also napped? Yeah. It's uh so Jasper, if you're not aware, is a little mountain town in Alberta and it's about four and a half, five hours, depends on traffic. So you basically drive to Banff and then you hang a left, hang a west. I think you hang a right. Well, the exit is to the right, but you head map like west on the map. Oh, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Okay. Um, right. If you're gonna go, look it up on your own GPS. Yeah, don't follow my direction because there is a turnoff. There is. It's not just Highway One. It's it's 93 West. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, it's considered to be the the most scenic highway in the world. I read that today. It has that superlative. And I must say, having driven it twice now, once in one direction and once in another, it's really amazing I didn't run the car off the road. <laughs> that is a very worthy superlative, in my opinion. Why I was the one driving when I'm the one who's never seen it before, that's a question for Alex. You're the one who wanted to go, so I thought, I'll come with you. <laughs> you just get you to You organize everything and take me. I like how when we're... I'm just the <laughs> passive passenger. When we're getting close to the Which town, is how it normally is on vacation. Alex is the passive passenger? Yeah. I'm just here because I know you really want me here. <laughs> That's how you go through life. I don't even bring my wallet. <laughs> no. No, you don't. Um, we're pulling into town and Alex is like, well, you're... <laughs> You're driving kind of erratically, almost like you're not really looking at the road. And I was like, yep, 
<laughs> that's accurate. So we stayed at the uh, the Fairmont, the Jasper Park Lodge. And we're poor now. Um, which is this really neat property. And it was like, it was like it had fallen out of a Canadian tourism magazine. Like we pulled in and there's like, it's a massive like cabin property. There's just cabins all over the place. There's literal elks like grazing like by by like residential cabins like where you stay and there's this lake and the mountains and i was like good god you know no wonder people come here and so on both days uh so we got there friday and then um went for dinner did the, the planetarium so the reason we, why we were there this weekend is every year jasper hosts a a dark sky festival so essentially Jasper is now, ever since 2011, the largest dark sky preserve in North America. So dark sky preserve just means that that they minimize... um, They have a lot of regulations. They have a lot of regulations on lighting and the way that... The types of light that you can have at your house, the types of street lights they use. And essentially, it's, it's awesome because it means you can walk out, you know, of your house or into the mountains and look up and just see, like... 10 times more stars that you can see like than you can see anywhere else. It's pretty cool. Um, so they host a festival every year where it runs from essentially this past weekend, the whole week and they do, um, you know, astronomy events. They have a big telescope there, a planetarium, they have speakers come in. Um, so that's why we were there. And so on Saturday morning, we got up, kind of early, not super early and went for a run. So you basically run out of the hotel area and r- directly into Jasper national park, which is incredible. Um, we're kind of running through and like on the way out, there's this big group of elk, mostly lady elk, which I guess is normal. And then you could kind of see one bull elk into the, like in the, the trees, you could see his antlers and he was doing like doing his own thing, just eating, not paying much attention. So I thought that was really cool did 10k run back in no. and this is we it took us a little bit longer to do 10k than normal because meredith had to keep stopping to take pictures and say i mean what <laughs> do you see this it was it's the most scenic like run i've ever hold done up my whole hold life. up the reflection on the lake <laughs> we stopped we this? only stopped maybe like three times i think total but here I was thinking that the run we did a couple weeks ago in Banff was the most scenic run that I've ever done. That like that didn't hold a candle to this. So we're running back in. What? What? I mean, just look. Let me do. Alex, are you look looking? Look at that mountain. Yes, Meredith. But look I at that see mountain. It. I mean, like the smell. <laughs> it just yeah, I was a little out of control. I'll, I'll admit that. We're running back in. And the same group of elk. What is a group of elk called? Do we know? Um, I, I'm like certain that there's a name a for A posse. Them. No, I think it's like a harem or something. I think it's an entourage, actually. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it's called a herd. It's an elk <laughs> Um, well, I don't, I don't like, that's boring. Herd would make sense. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, and according to the U.S. Geological Survey, a group of elk may also be ref- referred to as a gang. So let's do that. There's a gang of elk. Same gang of elk that was there when we were running out. 
are there when we're running back in, but they moved a little bit. And I guess a couple of the ladies had crossed the street and the bull elk didn't like that. And so he wanted to get them back to the other side, like on the non-river side. And so we kind of see them and he's at the edge of the road and there's a bunch of cars stopped because whenever there's elk, people stop and they want to take pictures and that's fine. So we're kind of stopping and we're like walking up and the elk, the bull elk sees us as he's like kind of crossing the road and he starts like, you know, tossing his head around and doing like bull elk things. We're probably, I don't know, 25 meters away or so. And like there's signs all over these national parks that, that say like bull elk are dangerous. Like you've seen the videos they have like massive racks of antlers. They will kill you. So we're kind of standing there and he's, you know, eyeballing us and he, he moves across and he's uh, trying to collect his ladies and this guy in a van pulls up and he's like, Hey, do you, do you guys want like want to ride back? He was like, he's just trying to get the girls on the other side of the road. But you know, if you want to ride back, I'll give you a ride. We were like, no, no, we'll just watch him. And, kinda and I was like, at this point we'd run like 9.4 K and I was like, this isn't inappropriate. I need to hit 10 kilometers. <laughs> yeah. I have we're going to need to run it in. I have to finish the run. <laughs> so, yeah, we were just going to wait him to kind of move along. And he was moving really slow, I think, because he was watching us. But eventually, so the van leaves, and then there's a whole line of cars. So he kind of, like, moves to one side of the car. So now there's, like, you know, minivans and things between us and the elk. And we carried on. Scoff-free. I wasn't, I didn't have it in me to, like, flee an elk. But I had picked out the escape route, just in case you were wondering which was directly down the hill into the river. You should always have one picked out. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, well, I'm doing all the talking so far. Do you want to chime in? Yeah. So then on Saturday, well, then we spent like an hour, over an hour in the hot tub, which was amazing. And surprisingly enough, there were no like really annoying people in there which is a first for me. There's always some loud talker mm-hmm. or like weird couple. Cause there's always, there's always that person. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, you're that person. <laughs> um, and then we had a dinner. Yeah. So the package, um, which I was thankful about because the previous night we had gone for dinner at their restaurant and I had ordered like a poke bowl. It was a beet poke bowl. It didn't have meat on it. And it was $24. Yeah, I mean, that's the fair amount. And to order, put meat on it, an additional piece of meat for a glazed salmon, it was $12 oh, additionally. Word. How on top of the that? 20 it was a 36 dollar poke bowl my goodness and i will tell you that was the smallest piece of salmon i have ever seen maybe it was wild caught i like think local. what it was was it was like a spare piece that they had cut off an actual serving of salmon oh it was like they had a five ounce piece of salmon and they needed to make it four so they had a spare one ounce piece and, and they're like put it on the poke bowl yeah that's very expensive. It really salmon. was. Yeah. I was glad I wasn't paying for it. Yeah. You're welcome. That's my treat. So anyways, the next dinner was free. Yeah. So it's included it, it was included in our, in our fair. So package. really it was $250 each. It was not 
$250 each. Don't be dramatic. $249.99. It was. So when I, when I bought this package, Saturday night dinner included. Okay, fine. I make certain assumptions based on the fact that we've basically been doing everything as a group of two for 18 months. And, uh, you know, three, including Ivy, including, yeah. Whenever we go out or stay in, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, and I'm just sort of getting back into like socializing and being around big groups of people. And, um, that has, it's like, it's a little bit weird. And so, um, I think I was shocked and you were too, when we walked in for dinner and it wasn't, it wasn't just two of us at a restaurant. It was a seated like ballroom, giant ballroom with these big round dinner tables. And you were sitting with other guests. Eight people per table. Eight people per table. Or at least there were eight seats per table. Yeah. 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 And so I misunderstood the, the itinerary for the evening and dinner was five to seven, which meant like show up at five. And that's sort of when dinner service begins. I thought it meant like come anytime because maybe it's a buffet totally missed so we showed up maybe at like 5 30 5 20 something like that not super late but it was casually late it worked yeah um late enough where most of the tables are all of the tables are occupied had some somebody at them okay so there were no completely open tables there was one that we spotted i was like oh god thank god <laughs> reserved damn it um so we're now we're at that point i was like we need to leave <laughs> now we're in <laughs> the hell out of here understand too like we're both on certainly the introverted side of the spectrum and alex is so far on the introverted side of the spectrum that i think you you have borderline <laughs> social anxiety i've jumped off the edge of it <laughs> yeah um so this is a bit of a social nightmare for us right now and um so we're kind of like you know we're in in the middle of all the tables and kind of like looking around trying to find people like one a like a table that has space for us and then b people who look like you know we'd like to sit with them or they would I like was to hoping sit with us we're well known enough in the province of alberta that maybe if we walked around enough somebody <laughs> someone would, would recognize someone us would adopt us <laughs> oh my gosh alex and Mary, are you do you need to sit here I'm like <laughs> yes who are you thank you so much that did not happen um we found, I was like, well, let's, let's find it. There's like a group of younger people. And I was like, well, we'll go sit with them. So we walked up and I was like, Heidi, mind if we join you, which <laughs> took all of the courage that I had to say. And the girl was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. We actually have four other people coming. <laughs> so we were rejected. And at that point I was like, we're just going to leave and buy ourselves dinner and we'll do the symphony after. But, uh, so we, we retreated to the perimeter. Yeah. The I was like, room. we got to get out of the middle of this and get a handle. We're in it. We're too close. We can't see our options and I'm sweating. Um, so we, we retreated to the perimeter and there was a uh, kind of in the, the, like the middle. Also, area. Okay. You are also. completely out of control. <laughs> we I'm just imagining us. <laughs> Get it together. Just cut this out. We were wearing matching outfits. <laughs> we were. We were both wearing like tights with blundstone boots and like semi oversized. <laughs> the only difference was the color. Hers was like a grayish pink and mine was gray. And My she top. had a turtleneck. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just realized. <laughs> Why did you have to point that out? I don't know. No, I was I'm just mortified. imagining us in this in this environment, and we're just so <laughs> awkward moving around as a unit <laughs> with a uniform. <laughs> God, my boots are brown, also. Yeah, yeah. So, and I guess also a lot of people dressed up for dinner and then planned to go back to the room and change for the symphony, which was outside. We just dressed for outside. <laughs> which i'm also now just <laughs> realizing yeah god i'm sweating i'm sweating reliving this is hard so, so we're yeah so we get a good we get a good like overview of what's happening <laughs> a, bur- a, a very pulled back and we spot in the middle <sighs> table like an older couple kind of by themselves and alex you know, they weren't really like talking to each other. And Alex like, we'll go sit with them. The good news is like, you know, they're not really talking to each other. So maybe though, you know, they won't talk to us, which in my mind is a much worse situation. <laughs> I would much rather someone at the table be talkative. So we go and sit down with this couple and say, can we join you? And it becomes immediately apparent the guy is a talker, which is probably why, like in part his wife is totally checked out. Um, but I, th- I love that. I, I like, I'll talk to people, but I do much better when there's someone at the table who's willing to sort of carry and guide the conversation. And that was this guy. Um, and so they're like, you know, they're serving courses or whatever. And, um, he starts telling us, he's, you know, asking all about us and where we're from. And, you know, they have, they, they live in Jasper, so locals and, but they have family in, in Calgary and two grandkids and, you know, their grandkids ski. And so they start telling us kind of like all about their life, which was fascinating. So I think the guy must've been from like up in the Yukon. And then his wife, um, was from PEI and has two. So his kids, they're actually, they're her kids, not his. She had two kids from a different marriage and lived in Cincinnati. Like she went and got her master's degree in Cincinnati um, and I guess they met, they were both educators in the Yukon and that's where they met. And so they're just telling us all these, um, you know, he's telling us all these, she's quite quiet and would kind of like chime into him and he, he would like, re- you know, relay what she had said, but just about this, like this fascinating life that they'd have and, you know, how they used to, you know, on a whim drive from the Yukon to Anchorage, Alaska to go skiing. Cause like they learned that Alex had gone to university in Alaska and they're like, Oh my goodness, like what part? And then, you know, we're telling all of their stories about Anchorage and, um, they had lived in like in PEI and they would just like drive down to Boston to catch a couple of Red Sox games and stay in, you know, in the hotel there. And then drive back before they had to go to work. They're and big sports fans. Huge sports fans. And they've biked across Canada. Like, they did that. They backpacked in Spain. Like, they're just... They have all these stories. And they're going on and on and on. And not <sighs> in, an, in an annoying way. It was a great conversation. Yeah, it was. And uh, he was a, a really good storyteller. And um, I guess they one of their sons had been offered like to play volleyball or something in Alberta. So they moved to Edmonton and then from Edmonton moved to Jasper. And well, no, they were just outside of Devon, which is a smaller suburb of Edmonton. And they had, um, an acreage. Yeah. They raised like lamb. They raised their own lambs that they ate. And so they're just, they have, they have like, what haven't you done? And the wife's like a, a marathoner an ultra marathoner. 
So at one point I was about... like, wow, you guys sure have lived a life. Yeah. And he, um, you know, he said that and, um, you know, and they're both really, really nice. And his wife was funny. And, um, at one point she had like, we, they had served a first course or whatever. And she seemed kind of like she was agitated or something. And, um, you know, said, I'm going to go up, I'm going to go for a walk really quick. I just have to move around. And so she gets up and kind of walks off and (laughs) he looks at the two of us and goes, um, you know, my sweetheart, my wife was recently diagnosed with dementia, like in the last two weeks. And that's why she has a little bit of trouble sitting still. And, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be really surprised if after we leave this dinner, if she remembers, uh, your names or even that we had dinner together. And I was just kind of like flabbergasted by that. And partially it's, I have a bit of a a fear of those diseases. I think like losing your like cognitive, just, I've, I've, I've always struggled with that idea. And I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm really sorry to hear that. And he was like, no, it's okay. Like, I'm, I am the right person for this. And you could just tell, like, he loved her so much. Yeah. Like it was just, it was oozing out of his pores. Like he was just like, you know, that was his person. It it was like, and not, this wasn't in in a sad way, but it was almost like it was his purpose to make her happy. And that was what made him happy. Yeah. But obviously like, you know, the world didn't revolve around her. It was their world and they were in it together and they've done all these things, but like doing things with her, being with her, like make seeing her happy, even if, you know, it was just for an instant pleasing her quickly, like, you know, getting her what she wanted Yeah, was like, that brought him like a lot of happiness, just like small amounts. You could tell. Yeah. And I'm sure that like, you know, talking, like telling stories about their past, like stories that she was very much involved with telling too. Like, you know, it's, that's got to make him happy too. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, she remembers and yeah, you know, is, but uh, it was cool. Like they were obviously very well liked. They, they lived in Jasper as Meredith mentioned and they, um, frequented the Jasper park lodge. And I think they're, everybody knows them there. Yeah. They've been in Jasper, I think five or six years and they've, I think they just, they're very well known. They talk to everybody and that's the type of person, the people, type of people that they they are yeah and it just kind of like it caught me for a second it was like it was an unexpected sort of moment but um you know and he she came back and then he you know again was talking about you know we've just we've lived this wonderful life and you know we've done so much and a lot of that is because you know we say we always have said yes to a lot of to opportunities and to you know we we do things a little bit on a whim if we decide that we want to and that you know, that has allowed us to do a lot. And I was like, that's like, that's a really valuable sort of life lesson there. It's like, you never know what's going to happen when you're older. You know, a lot of people save their living for when they're retired. And it's like, you should do a little living now while you're young and while you can like make the memories so that, you know, when you're older, you have, if, if nothing else, like worst case scenario, you have those, you know, and I believe the right the right people find each other and he, you know, that's clearly the case with them. Mm. I thought it was pretty profound. So anyways, after I, s- I stopped weeping, um, <laughs> openly at the table, 
which like I almost said he said that and I was just like just like immediately was like don't do it but I was so like overwhelmed um yeah we we gathered our things and went to the symphony under the stars we got really good seats too it was nice it was there was some like vip and they were s- sitting in Adirondack chairs like bigger yeah it was outside so you had to dress warm there was some fires and stuff and then there were i think like 400 people about yeah it was a lot and then behind that they had just had little like fold-out chairs and it was kind of like two by two <coughs> um what was like there were it was a row each row had uh like 20 chairs and then it was split in the middle like where you walk down like a big wedding yeah but each chair there was like a set of chairs, like two by two, kind of like they had there set were two it up together. And then like there was like a foot between each pair. And so we kind of like got down there and we were the second row in the non VIP area. So we were pretty close. And I was like, this is amazing. Like we're basic because I wanted to see the instruments being played. Like I wanted it up front and then Meredith went out to go get um a blanket for us and I was sitting there like I can't believe we got these seats and there was in front of me just to my right so Meredith would have been sitting next to my right the couple ahead of us the guy in the seat to the right was sitting there and whoever he was with wasn't there yet so his wife comes and sits down and she is wearing the biggest red furry hood you could i've ever seen on that like coat. splayed out on a coat it's like a like a canada goose hood but more obnoxious yeah it like was really quite something so she sat down and basically my amazing view of the front stage of the symphony was a red hood completely <laughs> covered with fur and like it was it was like comical it was like something that would have happened to Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm. It is exactly what I would expect to happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> so basically we had to like scooch our chairs bit by bit. Shimmy. And so I was basically sitting right next to the duo beside us, but worth it. Worth it. <laughs> yeah. That was great though. The symphony was, it, they had the Edmonton Philharmonic Orchestra, which is not, they call it the symphony, but it's not the symphony. It's the Philharmonic. It was great. It was a really good show. Um, but definitely Jasper. It's like Jasper is frequently mentioned like with Banff and I don't think it should be because it's, it's totally, it's a totally different thing. And if you're like thinking of visiting the national parks in Canada, I think Jasper is well worth the extra, extra three hours. Effort. Yeah. Yeah. And you see like glaciers on the way out. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah, Definitely. Um, well, let's get into the meat of the podcast, shall we? So what we wanted to talk about today, uh, we just thought it might be a fun topic, a light topic and one that we kind of, you know, talk cause we're, we're in both the fitness and nutrition space are some parallels between the two specifically regarding, uh, I guess common mistakes or flaws or what causes people to not have success and then how tendencies in fitness tend to also be mirrored in the nutrition industry. So with that said, Alex, 
What is our first parallel? Too much, too fast. Well, what do you mean? Well, okay, so take running, for example. Um, you see a lot of people are like, I'm going to start running. And I personally am very excited when this happens because I think everybody should run. And it's like, oh, running is so, is too hard. Like I, I keep having to walk or, you know, I'm I'm doing this like Nike run app, which is one of, one of my clients recently was telling me about. Um, she's going to do the Nike run app for beginners. It was like a couch to 10K or something. And the thing is five days of running a week. Five days, zero to five. And like there's no pace. It doesn't like there's no walk run. It's like you just are apparently are supposed to be running like this <laughs> and fitting it into your schedule and like creating the habit of going out and doing it. Um, so what ends up usually happening with those people, you know, who go from zero to five or like ev running every single day is like they just m not everybody, but they just get burnt out or they hate running because it's it's so hard. Yeah, because they can't run because they're running too fast. Well, you see that a lot with people who are coming from, like you, you were talking about couch to 10K. How about CrossFit to 10K mm -hmm. or CrossFit to marathon? Like you see this all the time with people who, who go from CrossFit and like technically I just, I think CrossFit in a, in the class setting is a bit of a flawed methodology in that it's the expectation is intensity, intensity, intensity. Everything has to be hard. It's CrossFit. If it's not hard, you're not doing it. And so you get these people who have this, like these CrossFit brains and they go out for a run and they're, they're just running way too fast. They're running, like they're sprinting, they're running paces that are unsustainable. And so no wonder you, you know, you spend a week, maybe if you make it two weeks on a running program and you feel like dogged, it's cause you can't do it. And also these people don't stop doing CrossFit classes. And so you just end up stuck in this kind of like, you know, moderate intensity trap where you're not like, it's, it's very difficult to make progress in that that like intensity domain. So the solution from a running standpoint is to just slow down, do most of your run slower. Like don't do so much if you're coming, like if it's a couch to 10 K situation, if you do have some capacity from fitness in other areas, like most of your running should be done at a fairly like conversational pace. You should be able to like look over to the person you're running with and have more than, you know, a one word or two word conversation with them. A really great way to get into running is to do like one minute on, one minute off. And then maybe gradually go up to two minutes on, one minute off. Because <clears throat> asking somebody, even somebody who's done CrossFit and who considers themselves to be in pretty good shape to go and run five kilometers, that's like 30 plus minutes of running without stopping. Like people are not used to doing 30 minutes of anything without stopping. No. Because especially if you're coming, if you're coming from CrossFit or coming from the couch, it's the same scenario. Yeah. And even people coming from CrossFit, like there's, there's some value in intensity. You know, I want to like understate that. But a lot of people, when they're just getting into CrossFit, they do some, they, they, you know, in an AMRAP or something, they'll do a few hard seconds of exercise and then they'll rest for double the amount of time. Like it's, there's a lot of rest in mm -hmm. CrossFit. So it's a different, like when you're like, all right, you're going to go do one thing and one thing only just for 20 minutes without stopping. Like that's a very daunting, uh, ask for yeah. some people. And then you have people who start CrossFit and again, it's the same thing. It's like you have people who don't take rest days. 
they get so into it. I was one of these people. And then all of a sudden you're just like absolutely exhausted. I think I once worked out for 28 days in a row. I worked out for way more than that. Yeah. But like sometimes those were runs. It wasn't like all in t- high intensity I was CrossFit. Always CrossFit or lifting 28 days I don't days know in a row. how you did that. But people do. I have yeah. like clients who like didn't take, don't take rest days. I'm like, what are you doing? How are you alive? Yeah. Barely. <laughs> so how do we see the same, like the, the same trend show up in nutrition? Um, the big one is the all or nothing attitude. And that can be from like a, uh, like just a day incident or it can be something that happens like long term, so, like on a l- bigger scale. So you could have somebody who it's like they have absolutely perfect macros, weigh and measure everything down to the very last gram and they hit per- everything perfectly and they do that for four days and then the fifth day or on the weekend they go out to eat and it's like, well, shoot, I don't know what's in this breakfast. I'll just not track it. And then they go to a donut place and it's like, oh, well, I, I don't even know what I had for breakfast. I'm not tracking anyways. I'm just going to have a donut. I'll just have two donuts and then you go off and you have lunch and you're just, you're totally off track and it's all or nothing. And then you can also see that on a bigger scale where you have, you know, a a really good stint of a month and you get this right kind of like running, uh, beginners, you know, getting into fitness where you go like 30 days straight and you've got this great streak and you're super motivated. And then all of a sudden you just like, you're like, yeah, this is a lot. This hmm. is too much. I can't see myself doing this long term. Yeah. So they like fire their nutrition coach and they go back to doing exactly what they used to do before. Yeah. You're like, oh, if you, you know, if you'd only listen to me, like we needed to strike a balance. Yeah. Like when I ask you like, hey, how is this going? Do you think this is sustainable? Yeah. Maybe you should, you know, be honest with yourself. Yeah. Take it, take a step back. Actually picture yourself in a year and be like, okay, can I be utilizing tracking in a way where this is actually sustainable that sort of thing is tracking sustainable yeah a lot of questions can be asked um yeah and then i think uh i mean there's the all or nothing mentality and then there's you know what i like to call the the diet overhaul mistake and it's someone who you know they commit to a nutrition program diet plan whatever and they want to change everything about their diet like well no that one's that's not working for me so I don't want to do anything like that I want to do you know whatever clean eating meal plan whatever and I get these people and you know I'm like well what was your what was your diet like before and they tell me and you know then I'm like okay well what you know what what's the plan moving forward or what do you want to do and they're like oh I'm going to do this this and this I'm like well I don't think that's a good idea like it's it's just it's going to change too much you want to change a little like the C idea and like the 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 right philosophy with nutrition I think is like figure out what the minimum effective dose is like figure out what what's the smallest change that you can make that's going to have the biggest impact for the longest amount of time and then just make that change and then when that change stops working for whatever reason because you've maximized the potential of that one change add a layer make another change but it should be stepwise minimum effective dose because then i mean you might be in a situation where like six months or a year down the road, your diet is completely different than what it was. But the expectation that it's reasonable for someone to do that in what a weekend after one grocery trip without cleaning out your cabinet, that is absurd. It never works. It never works. And people will like, they'll say, no, 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 I'm like, it's fine. I'm going to do it. I'm like, okay, talk to me in two weeks. 
Yeah. I mean, we have, we've all had those clients and by we all, I mean us too. I speak for ourselves, but they'll, they'll get the plan. And there's a lot of information in that plan. And we want to provide a lot of information up front, but it's like, I'm going to start on Monday. I need a few days to like go to the grocery store and do all my meal planning and like overhaul everything. And really what needs to happen is like, just start by logging what you're eating right now, see where we're at and go from there. Mm -hmm. Some people like, they learn a lot just like logging all their food and then they tinker with it and figure out what they need to be eating and then they stick to it and they run and it's fine. For the most part, that doesn't tend to work. No, and that's like the the too much too fast is this, I think a byproduct of the way that goal setting works, the way the human brain works, which is you decide you're going to do something, you set a goal or whatever and you get this big rush of dopamine. It feels really good to set a goal and to commit yourself to something. And then that might last you know, a month, like you were saying 30 days is it's common for people to, to stick to something for 30 days. And every time you do something that you feel moves you towards that goal, you get a rush of dopamine. It's very encouraging, motivating. It keeps you on the track. And then usually one of two things happens. A lot of times people attach some value or expectation to that 30 day mark or to some milestone, to some period of time. And then if they get there and they they haven't achieved what they set out to or they don't see the progress that they want to, they stop getting that rush of dopamine. They get demotivated to continue. Or if you, if, if someone is progressing towards their goals, then you sort of start fantasizing about the end and you stop doing the things that are required to get you there. And so you kind of make progress and then you stop making progress. That's that arrival fallacy that we've talked about before. So it's kind of, uh, you have to fight the tendency to set, I guess, big goals or to get too excited about those big goals without paying very close attention to what needs to be done every day and what's a realistic time frame. Should I even attach a time frame to this? What if I just didn't have a, like an end point what if I just rolled this into whatever comes next, mm -hmm. which you don't know what comes next. So that's actually the more logical thing to do. Instead of saying, I'm going to lose 20 pounds and then this, you don't know what comes after that. What if there's 30 pounds after that? Mm -hmm. What if ten, like 20 pounds is selling yourself short? Yeah. It's like commit to the process, make the process, the goal, the commitment, and then see where it takes you. Yeah. You remove the ceiling on the, the, you know, what's possible. Anyways. Um, all right. Next. Next parallel between fitness and nutrition. Program hopping. This is probably, this is one of my favorite ones because it's so oh, common. Yeah. Um, and you see program hopping, uh, you see it on a micro level and you see it on a macro level. So most people in CrossFit think program hopping and they think, ah, there's that person that does mayhem for a month and then they do comp train and they do, they do misfit and then maybe they get a the individual coach, but they don't like that cause there's no whiteboards and they go back to doing training think tank blog and they just do all of them. Right. And it's one thing after the next, after the next, you know, okay, now I'm going to do Marcus Philly's functional bodybuilding cause I want to look lean. Okay. But the open's coming. So I'm going to go back to mm -hmm. misfit and torch my adrenals. Um, you know, it's always looking for like fun training. And then on the macro level, there are people who, you know, 
they get really into spin and then they get into Zumba and they're like, all right, well now I'm doing bar classes and Pilates. And they're kind of just like, you know, bouncing around and doing a little bit of everything. And that's, that's okay. If you have the right expectations in place, but if your expectations are to be making massive progress, and this means, you know, micro level program hopping in one specific like modality of training or macro program hopping as in doing different, totally different training methodologies. If you're expecting to make massive progress doing that, you will be sorely disappointed. Yeah. Because the right, the, the most effective training is not always fun. Like we maximize adaptation. I would say it's not fun. No, you have to, to, you have commit to yourself to doing things repetitively. I mean, because the most effective training uh, or maximizing adaptation to training is about repeatedly exposing yourself to the right stimulus and progressing, like, you know, getting more difficult. Uh, hang on, Ivy's just being a nightmare. Come on. Um you know, progressively getting heavier, like overload the system, do the boring accessory work that keeps your joints healthy. Like it's a lot of doing the same or similar types of things over and over and over again until they stop working. And then when they stop working, you find a little more nuance to add in. And this is another flaw of the CrossFit kind of methodology is if you're constantly varying the stimulus, then at some point, adaptation beyond a very basic level of general fitness stops and that's like crossfit is a, a, a gpp a general fitness preparedness program and it does a good job with that i guess but it's not training it's not training and people who compete at the highest levels of crossfit are not doing crossfit they're doing strength and conditioning training um and so that's a big disconnect between crossfit affiliate programming and crossfit the sport programming and like honestly just good programming in general i think crossfit lacks lacks the nuance of a well-designed strength and conditioning program well the whole point of or what they say about crossfit is that it's random yeah i mean they have the hopper but like that's and you talk to any actual like well educated knowledgeable strength and get conditioning coach not one of them is going to say yeah you should have a completely random training schedule and um there should be no progression yeah you just do whatever you want but again i think if you take a, a totally deconditioned person off the street and put them in a crossfit gym that will work for a period of time yep and then once that time comes to an end you have to find progression Period. I don't think that that is a debatable point. Unless you say, I'm okay not progressing. I'm okay with general physical preparedness. I'm okay being where I am. But I just, I know a lot of people who are, who are looking to constantly progress and frustrated at the lack of progression. Yeah. You're only going to get so far when, you know, you see snatch once or twice a week. And when it's programmed, it's one, 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 one. Or you see snatch and it's in Amanda. Yeah. And that's the next week. And oh, you missed Tuesday. So you're not back squatting on that week. Mm -hmm. So you're not, you're only back squatting on, you know, three times a month. 
Or maybe you're back squatting one week and then the next week you're doing front squat or overhead squat. Yeah. So you might not back squat for, you know, but once a month anyways. Yeah. So for somebody who wants to just like be strong and like have um, functional fitness, it doesn't really matter. Like you said. Um, But if you're looking to compete or looking to actually improve, you're going to need a little bit more than that. That. Um, How does this show up in nutrition? I think there are those people who are always looking for like, what's the next diet? What's the next big thing in the diet industry? I'm going to do that. And it's been everything that's been going on for ages. Like Adkins, South Beach diet, like, you know, diets that, that are way older than we are. Also, I think Atkins was actually just the keto diet. Oh, yeah. I mean, like... it, it It's like zero carbs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you could eat whatever fat you wanted. But, like, way back then, they they didn't really have a way to measure blood ketones. Yeah. So, um, or at least not easily. So, yeah. Um, but always looking for, for, you know, what's the diet that's on the magazine cover? What's the... What, you know, what are celebrities doing? What cleanses are popular? That kind of thing. So they're just constantly dieting. And what do we know about people who constantly diet, Alex? Never works. Well, yeah, obviously. Why are you questioning me? I don't know. Um, they tend to gain weight. Like there's that, that um, I'll find the study. So I was right. You were. <laughs> you just, I wanted you to say the different words. Um, people who are, are constantly trying to diet tend to increase their body weight over time so not only do they fail to lose weight but they tend to be successful in gaining it is that because they come off the diet and they're just like ah fuck it i don't know i i think it's probably the diet rebound a little bit because that's been documented and i think it's like that just starts to affect your psychology and your relationship with food and if you do that too long like the way you see and think about food completely starts to change and you attach emotion to it. And you know, now you have an emotional eating problem. And I just, I think it's a lot of different factors that just kind of start to snowball over time. And I'm sure there's a more like the, the psychology to that is probably far more complex. And oh yeah, you know, the people who seek out dieting and you know, all of that kind of thing. But, um, again, it's, it's a, a lack of response because there's an inconsistent and not scientifically based stimulus. I had a client this summer. Um, she's no longer my client. She just, it was fine. She just uh, ended her, she had a six month thing and then she ended. But at one point she was doing so well and it was like, it, it came, it all came to a head. It was, it was like, I, uh, I you know, this is working, but like, I, I'm kind of losing motivation. I was like, okay, let's talk about this. Like, are you lo- losing motivation to track? Like, what? She's like, no, like, I just, I think I, I, I feel like I need something, like, exciting to, like, like, get me, like, fired up to, like, be in it. Like, make it a priority. Like, commit. Like, put in the effort. And I'm like, more exciting? Like, what does that look like to you? She's like, I don't know. Just, like, macros were so exciting and I learned them and, like, I, I was hitting them and it, I lost weight and, like, but now I'm just kind of, like, well, now what? And like, I'm bored of it. And like, I'm kind of just like losing motivation. <laughs> and I'm, and she still had goals like to you know, lean out and like be healthy and like improve health and fitness. 
and I, I was almost like, I, I didn't even know what to say. I was, yeah. We don't have there any was, special sauce for like, macros. Yeah, you can do another diet, but you're not going to have the same. You're going to go in the opposite direction that you want to. Yeah. <clears throat> like, it's going to be boring. It's, that's, the, like, it's now it's easy for you to do. It should be easy. Like, it's part you of you. You automate it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think about it as much. Like, you can enjoy other things in your life. You don't have to, like, be focused on your diet. I don't yeah. know. It was such an odd thing to hear but i think Uh, that's that i guess for me it was weird to hear somebody who's had a lot of results doing the simple stuff yeah um which aren't it's not easy it's just simple but she had so much success and felt so good on it and then all of a sudden it was like oh it was almost like that's never happened i've never had a client that's like oh this finally worked i'm glad i'm like done with all that like nonsense yeah for someone to to want to go back to that Mm mm-hmm I would, I would like more nonsense, please. I, need, I didn't, need, I, I didn't know. I was like, oh, there's nothing I can recommend. <laughs> I need here. a little more chaos in my life. I need to be confused. I get it. Like I get it. It's, it's kind of the goal thing. It's like you set a goal and it's, it's new and you have a, a, a even like the day, like things are new and whatever. Like I remember I did the 800 gram challenge. And I was like, this is new and it's exciting and I feel like I'm going to feel better and I'm going to be eating so many vegetables and so much fiber. And it was new, but it wasn't really that new. And then at some point you're like, look, I I don't have time to feed four (laughs) times a day. Okay. It was a lot of work actually to eat that much, that many fruit and vegetables, especially for me. Yeah. It wasn't like, I I can't eat that much food volume. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just, I thought that was... I get, I, like I said, I get the new thing. Yeah. But at some point, like, it doesn't work. It's like, find the most simple stimulus that you can respond to and do that. That's the theme. Yeah. Okay. Um, you ready to move on from that one? Yeah. Let's do the third and final uh, fitness and nutrition parallel, which is dogmatic approaches. I know I said the last one was my favorite, but this might actually be my favorite. This one. one's a good one. So what it like when we talk about dogmatic approaches, this is like, this is the way that fitness and nutrition exists on the internet or in general today. And it's because it sells. It's like click culture. People love this stuff because like they want to hear like, yeah, this is the best way and screw these guys. Like that's our world. And that's like, that's the way that, People love extremes. Yeah. I mean, have you seen the guy on Instagram who, who says all he eats is liver and that's why he's like super jacked. I haven't seen that. Okay. It's, it's absurd. So you can, he obviously sells something and he's like this shirtless mountain looking man. And he's like, all I eat is liver for my health and this and this and essentially sells that idea. But like you look at this guy and he is on so many drugs He's on steroids selling a dietary approach. And that's the world that we're in. Um, we're going to talk about CrossFit again because it's the one that I know the most. But also, like, one of the most dogmatic approaches to fitness that I can think of, and usually, like, y- not always, but typically at the, the center of a dogmatic approach to anything 
is a dogmatic human being. A guru. That has a little bit of guru syndrome. So what do I mean by guru syndrome? Guru syndrome is this thing that, um, you know, when you think of Joe Rogan, like that ty- type of guy. And like a know-it-all? Yeah. And it's, it's you know, it's a person who um, kind of lives in sort of hypotheticals. And if you listen to Joe Rogan, like, you know, you pick up on that. He's like, what if this, this, this absurd idea. And that's how Joe Rogan starts bullshit conspiracy theories. He's like, well, you can't prove that it's not true. That kind of thing. Um, and I'm talking like Brad, you know, those people who, sorry, this is just an interjection. You know, those people who think it's funny and like enjoyable to be the, to play the devil's advocate. Yeah. That's like Joe. That's like Joe. And those people drive me absolutely crazy. They are like, I mean, we could have a whole conversation on how there are people in this world who are contrarian just because they like to be contrarian. So it doesn't matter what you say. They're going to argue with it. <sighs> and like in, and you're starting to see that there's actually way more of those people in the world yeah. than but maybe you originally thought. Like as, as a, a, a person who went to law school, it is, Nothing is worse than debating somebody who doesn't have actual factual evidence. Well, no, because what those people are. It's like basically <laughs> saying like, well, you're, you're saying he did it. What evidence do you have? And they're like, because my friend's mother saw it. It's totally anecdotal and it's, probably made up anyways. It's, well, it's hearsay and it's like just complete bullshit. Or they'll like, they'll straw man you. Or they'll just <laughs> be like, well, it's because it's just, it just happened. what that's literally how people argue now well because of this this is probably going to happen you know they are masters at logical fallacy just drawing all kinds of conclusions and what logical fallacy is what i like to call complete bullshit yeah but you should like i it's helpful to know what they are so that you can you can observe them being used and as soon as you observe them being used you can kind of like start to discredit the people who are using them um because it means they're really yeah, or so, you just like leave and yeah. stop wasting your time on these people. So anyways, uh guru syndrome people love hypotheticals. Um they they always like to create they always like to make things seem like more complex than they are. They love complexity. Um they overreach on knowledge. So you see Joe do this a lot. And bring it back to CrossFit. You see Greg do this a lot. You know, Greg likes to tell people that he he should have he almost got into med school or like he could have gone to med school. He could be a doctor, but he's not. And it's not to say that he's not a smart guy. He probably is plenty intelligent. I mean, he you know, he created a very successful business model. He's spoken at Harvard before. Um, but there's there's an it, like a tendency to overreach and um, they don't typically have like sources to cite or at least not good ones not not complete ones um and where when you talk to an actual ex like an expert on a a subject if you ask them a question they don't know the answer to what do they say i don't know i don't know the answer to that i'll look into it and get back to you or i'm not sure i can't speak to that gurus they have an answer or response to everything you pose to them like they're gonna have something to say um 
they love this. And this one's really apparent in CrossFit, the us versus them mentality. It's a false mentality, but they have to create this like conflict. You know, it's, oh, it's CrossFit versus Globo gyms or it's CrossFit versus NCSA or it's CrossFit versus, um, you know, big pharma, Coca-Cola, big sugar, like all of these things. It's, it's very much like you're a part of CrossFit. You're with us and you hate them over there. And that's like, you know, people love like, oh, they love to feel like they're on a, a side or like a team. They're fighting for something. Um, typically, they're selling a program of some sort. Um, they adhere to weird diets. I mean, Joe Rogan, hello. The dude, like, ate only meat for 90 days or whatever. He's always doing something absurd with his diet, despite the fact that he's injected literally everything into his body. But he won't get the vaccine. He's actually never said that he he won't get it or hasn't already had it. Hmm. The thing that bugs me about Joe is at the the start of his bullshit podcast, he'll be like, you know, I'm just a comedian who's into MMA. Like, don't listen to me. You know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and he then he'll like say some crap about and thousands, like millions, millions of, of listens and views and whatever. But then he'll he'll go on about how, you know, the like COVID's a big government hoax and conspiracy and this, this, and this. No, but don't listen to me. I'm just a comedian. It's like it allows him to abdicate responsibility for what's coming mm-hmm. out of his mouth. It's crap. Um, you know, and these, these the, the, the gurus in nutrition and, and fitness offer narrow interventions with a massive impact. So again, like talk about CrossFit and then bridge the gap over to nutrition But what it's like, what's Greg's, one of his most famous quotes, which is, we sit collectively in unique possession of an elegant solution to the world's most vexing problem. And it may be so elegant that it's optimal. And he's talking about CrossFit being the solution to chronic disease of all kinds. And it's like, it's actually kind of absurd, (laughs) absurd when you sit and think about it, because if you know anything at all about epidemiology, sociology, like, you know that the, the root cause of chronic disease has a hell of a lot more than what people are doing for exercise and um, the foods that they put in their mouth. It's a socioeconomic problem. It's an education problem. Well, there's so much under, there's so much, that's so superficial. Well, it's reductionist. Like, you, like they will argue, well, you, you can't argue with the fact that if people overeat <laughs> this and this and they don't move their bodies and they're at greater risk of chronic health. Yes, that's, that's true. But it's also reductionist. And it ignores the complexity of the problem. And you're throwing a really simple solution at something that will not respond to a really simple solution. But again, by doing that, it allows them to, and people who are, who are disciples of this, it'll, it, it widens the gap. And it allows to say, well, if you can't do this, it's so simple, then, you know, maybe you deserve to be sick or this. Like, it, it, it creates this narrative where I think we begin to lack empathy and compassion for people who don't deserve that type of treatment. That's what I think. And that's the danger with reductionist approaches and arguments is that they sound like they, they sound really appealing because it's so simple. You're like, well, well, I like the way that sounds. That's so easy. I'm going to go with that. Because that's a hell of a lot easier than, than me, a, a lay person, trying to like begin to understand the complexities of 
demographics and socioeconomic disparity and income disparity and poverty and education and education and racism and how racism exists and has has existed forever in the medical system and prejudice and bias and how all of those things impact health outcomes and geographical location yes access and so that's like that's the real danger here with these types of people and they exist in in fitness and nutrition you see the same thing with you know guys like i don't know uh tim noakes you see you know if you eliminate this from your diet then this if you eat this way then you'll be healthy forever you'll never die literally you'll stay alive forever like that's the kind of like crap that people perpetuate on the internet when they're trying to sell a nutrition program they want you to believe that they want you to believe that the best version of yourself the healthiest the happiest the wealthiest the sexiest is just one diet book away read this book do this diet you'll be happy you'll have everything you ever wanted you have healthy kids who are really good at sports like whatever it is it's the same Mm -hmm. and so um yeah it's just it's anything with like stupid rules diets we, I mean, we've talked about these all day long. Yeah, I don't need to, we don't need to rehash <laughs> it. Like, everybody knows those diets. Keto, carnivore, snake diet. Juice cleanses. Like, Intermittent what? fasting, really? Fasting? Fasting for Multiple the purposes days. of superior health, mm-hmm. which has been disproven time and again. People still do it because they want to believe. And again, like... You can't discount the placebo effect, but the science beyond that is not very good for any of them. So, um, let's wrap this up, this, this up, shall we? So give me, um, you know, what's interesting. I will make this point though. Okay. With CrossFit. CrossFit is a training methodology, but within it is a, is a pretty like, you know, the, and we've talked about this, a paleo diet. There's like a nutrition, like you said, a lot of these gurus or people who have these dogmatic approaches eat a specific way or promote a specific diet. And within CrossFit, there is that exact diet, which yeah. is very restrictive and it's very like high horse and there's lots of rules. There are a ton of rules. And um yeah, it just it it, it creates a s- I yeah, separation I guess from like uh, it creates us versus them. Yeah, and what is actually what's funny is like all like these extreme approaches if you look at them like CrossFit talks about it being, you know, this this great um solution to this big problem when really all it is is just like moving your body you're just like people who like walk yeah it is a- very simple and it could solve the big problem uh-huh. but it's it's not anything that's actually that like you didn't you didn't create the internet or a burpee no it's just you're just getting up and get like and paleo it's like you're just eating non-processed foods it's pretty simple but it's this, it, it's talked up, it's, it's complex, like, in a way, but 
but they also want to argue that it's simple. It's weird. Yeah. It's, I mean, I read the paleo solution (laughs) when I was first, when I first joined the cult and I was like, do people like, I want to go back to everyone that I worked with and just apologize. And I know I've said that before, but like, I was like, I can't believe you're eating peanuts. That's a legume. You know, like what? Peanuts poke holes in your stomach. (laughs) What was I doing? (laughs) You know, like, good lord like no wonder they encouraged me to leave um they did that raw honey (laughs) is it raw honey (laughs) oh it looks kind of (laughs) clear it's too viscous (laughs) but like you know what the hell man like anyways let's let's not with that anymore (laughs) but it's like suffice it to say The Kool-Aid is potent and it's alluring. It feels good to feel part of something. And you're like, screw the man with your machines. I d- your okay, cable so somebody machines. the other day, I'll let you get to your, your question. But the other day somebody was like, I do, I do CrossFit. I go to a CrossFit gym and she's talking to us and she's like, but I have to admit, I do use the peloton once or twice a week i have a peloton and i was like (laughs) she's okay like like guilty or something of having a peloton i do virtual spin classes (laughs) we were like so but again it's like people think crossfit's like crossfit only like spin is stupid yoga's dumb yeah like you know that's yeah that's been the line it's like you can do whatever you want I'm glad that you're able to jump on a bike at the end of the day because you can't make it to CrossFit class. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's just, it's funny. Um, well, let's wrap this up with a really easy question. And um, I'm going to ask you, so prepare yourself um, as if it's not written right there behind me on the whiteboard and you haven't been looking at it the whole time. What is your number one tip? for people who are just looking to get started in both fitness and nutrition. Keep it stupid simple. That's the tip. It is so stupid simple. So what would, what would be for nutrition? What's one thing that someone can do like tomorrow? Eat a vegetable at lunch. Okay. I like that one. Get, don't drink don't drink pop or soda. Yeah. That's two things. Well, I was just throwing out two separate things. Okay. Maybe have a glass of water first thing when you wake up. Yep. Set the day off, right? Um, don't snack. Make dinner at home. Ooh, I like that one. Make one meal at home. Yeah. Maybe S- skip uh, the drive through at Tim Hortons in the morning and bring your own breakfast that has a fruit in it what fruit berries and yogurt is what i was thinking okay and so same question for people who want to get started with running or working out lace on your runners and do minute on minute off for honestly 10 minutes so five rounds five rounds yeah i like that I remember when my mom told me when she first started running 
she ran for like two minutes or something and then stopped. Yeah. And then had to go back to the drawing board and was like, hey, I have to figure out how I'm going to like get myself. Yeah. To the point where I can sustain an effort here. Yeah. And it was like one minute on, one minute off. There's been times where I had little niggly injuries and I've had to take a week or two off running. This happened recently. And when I go back into it, it's it's a lot of like work rest. Like yeah. one minute on, one minute off. Just to make sure that like my body's feeling good, that I'm allowing my body to recover and not, you know, my legs not get too tight if it's a knee issue, which it was. You know, run for a bit, get a feel for it, then stop. Just so you're like easing back into it. Yeah, totally. And same with weights. Like don't go out there and go ham on something. <laughs> Do the on-ramp program. Ask the coach how to scale. And like number one piece of advice is leave your ego at the door. Yeah. That's a big one. Because that'll keep you. you're a male. That'll keep you walking through the door. Yeah. And not quitting. Yeah, I like that. Ask for help. There's a lot of stuff. But yeah. Do less, but more often. Do less for longer. So instead of like couch to CrossFit going five days the first week, go like two days the first week. Mm -hmm. I know it's like there's this when you're paying for membership, you're like, oh, I got to get the most out of it. But if you overcook the potato in the first week, the second week is going to be pathetic. <laughs> and then you're going to be embarrassed and you're not going to want to go back. Yeah. So two days, first week, two days, second week, maybe three days, a third week, but probably still two days. I have a, just another client story. She's just one of my, like, she's just textbook client, like exactly just the best. And she started, um, her goal is to lose weight. She like didn't, doesn't exercise hadn't really ever done like a diet program and basically like, you know, started hitting her protein, then her calories, then her fat and her carbs. Now she hits her macros. She's trying some different things with her foods. But on the first time it was like, she's not trying anything crazy new. She just kind of like worked in simple foods. And then after a few weeks, it was like, you know, she had to, she's, she's working on her sleep and going to bed earlier. So that was started to incorporate. And then I think it was like maybe four or five weeks in I was like well what about like exercise have you considered incorporating a couple of days of exercise and she, yep so now she goes to Orange Theory and she's up to three days a week and it's like it's very incremental it's very doable um and it's not all at once and she's having great progress it's very slow she's patient and just enjoying it and it's all manageable yeah like you shouldn't really be having to fight the urge to quit doing what you're doing mm -hmm. like you yeah. shouldn't you shouldn't feel so overwhelmed and tired and like frustrated that you're like you're having to fight the urge to not do it anymore yeah if you're if you're feeling that early in the process back way up yeah way up all the way to the beginning yep and everyone honestly another really big tip everyone is on their own i don't like this word but their own journey journey it's true. Like everyone is going to be doing something different. Some people can hit their macros every single day, but like maybe that person doesn't work as much as you just do better and then do even better. And then even, you know, just slowly make improvements. I like that. Yeah. You want to wrap it up? Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting here thinking, having listened to that podcast with Kate Beckinsale, I'm a little self-conscious that I don't sound like half as good as she does I when know. she talks. But she's also like English. 
She's got that really nice English accent. Anyways, I'll work on it. I'll work on the way that I... Yeah, I'll work on it. You'll know when I've made the change. You'll be able to tell. Be like, ooh, that sounds really good. We listened to a podcast um, with Matthew McConaughey on it. Yeah. And that guy is one of the most articulate human beings I've ever heard. He talks so quickly and barely ever stumbles over his words. Never says the words like, um, or like, like anything. It's really unbelievable. But I imagine that you're trained. Comes with the territory. Yeah. As a, and as an actor, I reckon, but it was, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Some people. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. As always, we hope you enjoyed it. Speaking of not stumbling over my words. I feel like I get going really fast and then I forget to open my mouth and then everything just sounds like gibberish. Um, thank you for listening as always. Um, you know where to find us. If you have episode requests, DM tactic, and we will try our best to accommodate those and we'll catch you again soon.